morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's Bible reading comes from Ruth chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verse 6 to 18. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, That's okay. I'll start from the beginning again. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed him goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from, me, from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning. Life comes with no manual, but with a mother. And so today we celebrate Mother's Day. We remember all our mothers, because they have made a difference in our lives. And many of us are mothers as well. And we have been inspired by different people, different women. The first Mother's Day was in 1908. Uh, Anna Chavez, she was very inspired by her mother, who was an ordinary woman, Anne Reeve Chavez, and she started Mother's Day work clubs to teach other mothers how to look after children and also to care for their health. But she also worked as, looked after soldiers who got wounded during the Civil War. Now, she died in 1905, and her 
day of death was close to the second Sunday in May. That's why we celebrate in many countries Mother's Day on the second Sunday in May. And in the US, they have the carnation as a, a symbol of that holiday because that was her favorite flower. So that was, it's a little bit of history on Mother's Day. Now, we are a congregation, a fellowship of people. That's why I've invited three women. And if you would like to come up, I invited Rani Chan and Rosemary Butterfield and Amy Chim to give a little testimony of being a mother on having a mother. Because we do church together, and so I felt instead of just me speaking, we are doing it together. So Rani will start. Rani is one of uh, our MOPS leaders at church and uh, also a mother of two lovely girls. Life has not always been easy as we have been praying for her, Carissa, as she went to a hospital. So Rani is sharing a little bit about what she has prepared. Thank you. Good morning. You can sit there. When I think about my motherhood journey, um, the hardest thing I've realized is that I do not have control. I'm a perfectionist, I'm a control freak, and it drives me crazy when things don't go my way. You can ask my husband later. I had this beautiful picture in my mind of what this parenting gig would be about. I'd have two kids a couple years apart, I'd stay at home and be the most fun and awesome mom, and then I'd be a really positive role model. I had it all worked out in my mind. And I mean, I'm a teacher in a school with 25 kids in a classroom. So that shouldn't be a problem, right? Two kids at home? I thought to myself, nothing could go wrong. And it just seemed like all that could have gone wrong went wrong. Before even this parenting journey began, my plans didn't play out the way I thought. We didn't know that I would have so much trouble conceiving. And month after month, the disappointment was difficult to bear. And when I finally did fall pregnant, it was an ectopic pregnancy. More miscarriages took place before we decided to give up. Even all the fertility assistance we received didn't help. So we decided that after that particular cycle, we would just stop trying. I was an emotional mess. And I remember crying out to God, who is the giver of life, that I just surrender. I tried so hard to make it happen, and there was nothing that I could do. And funnily enough, Carissa was conceived on that particular cycle. During the nine months, I became a very diligent scholar on all things baby. I had notebooks of notes from baby books and researched every day on the internet what would be the best for this bub that was coming. And Philip, my very patient husband, allowed me to formulate my plan and carry out you know, his very emotional wife's ideas. And I was ready. I had a game plan on what I was going to do, how I was going to feed this baby, how this baby was going to sleep, how I was going to sleep train, what I would do and who was going to do it and when it was going to happen. What could go wrong? Uh, after a 24-hour labor, Carissa was born a very healthy baby, and everything was going according to plan until day three, when the pediatrician said that she was very dehydrated. I wasn't feeding her enough, and he wanted me to top her up with formula. I couldn't believe it. First, I was starving my child, and I didn't know. And formula was definitely not in the equation, because I was adamant that I was going to be breastfeeding. I had this whole plan, and it was not my plan. I even had a showdown with a couple of the nurses when I was in the hospital. 
was not my best moments. Um, but I had, at the end, to realize that it was my plans or the well-being of my child. Even my most perfect set of um, bottles and teats that I had selected didn't work. They weren't so perfect. All my plans started to unravel. Why don't babies sleep and why don't they feed when you want them to? I could almost picture God smiling at me and just shaking his head, saying, when are you going to learn, Rani? My second daughter, Sianna, was conceived after several heartaches of miscarriages and a drawn-out blighted ovum. When she was born, though, I thought, I've got this one in the bag, right? We have experience from the first one. We know what we're doing. But in reality, we didn't have any experience with a newborn and a toddler. As the months went by, the chaos started and my mind was going crazy. I was not this awesome mom who I wanted to be. I was not this positive role model. I was all caught up in making everything perfect. I wanted the house to be tidy, I wanted all the laundry to be done, the meals to be on the table, and the children to behave themselves. That's not asking too much, right? But none of it was happening, and I became an ogre. I was yelling at everyone, trying to get Everyone with my program, why are you not following my plan? I didn't have things under control. Around this time, Carissa was diagnosed with an atrial septal defect, and her diagnosis is a story in itself. But the gist of it is that she has a hole in the heart. It was a big hole that would require open heart surgery. And here I was controlling, albeit poorly, all these different things in my life, but have now encountered something that I have no control over. In the light of this, all the things that were driving me crazy became very insignificant. I can't count the number of times I sat down with silent tears falling as I had to surrender everything to God. He led us to discover her condition. He revealed himself each step of the way. The weeks leading up to her operation, he kept reminding me that he is in control. I wept a lot. In the beginning, it was all emotions that I couldn't put words to. And that led me to surrendering my heart's desires to him. And then acknowledging that no matter what happens and what the outcome is, that he is still God. He's our joy in sorrow's tears. He's our strength to cast out fears. And he's our hope in the darkest night. And he is our broken soul's delight. And as you know, Carissa's had a very successful heart surgery and she's full of energy now. Maybe too much energy sometimes. So does that mean that I'm not a perfectionist and I'm not a control freak anymore? Absolutely not. Um, it means now I am more organized, but more willing to adapt. Um, and remembering that he is in control. It's not my plans, but his. And for all my MOPS leadership team, please remind me that I said all this when this crazy lady in me starts to appear. Thanks. Thank you very much, Rani. Maybe, Amy, you come and share next, since your children are a little bit older. And of course, you are part of the welcoming committee here in the church, and you make everybody welcome every Sunday. So I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, Shalata. Well, we all know motherhood is a difficult task, but it serves a purpose in all our lives, and it's probably the sole purpose in many of the mothers' lives out there. For, for me, 
God has given Douglas and myself two daughters, as you all know. Some of you might know, Vanessa and Kiara. Vanessa is 21 at the moment, and Kiara is 13. So when Vanessa was first born, since a very young child, she was such a pleasure to teach. She listened, and she obeys everything I say. I couldn't ask for more, and I enjoyed this perfect one-child family for seven years until one day she asked me a question. Mummy, can I have a little sister? And the journey of my motherhood has never been the same again. <laughs> I have to relearn what is the meaning of a mother. I have to relearn my skills. I have to relearn my knowledge in order to bring the best outcome of my child. So through this journey, I have changed in many ways as a mother. I have learned what God has put me into. And, but at the end of the day, the outcome that you see was deep joy that you get out of that relationship. So I can't do this journey on my own. It was God helping me through the whole time. And I'm sure all of you could connect with that. Um, all I can say is um, I thank God for Vanessa, which is my blessing. Unfortunately, she's not here to hear this today. And Kiara is my joy. And I must not forget my lovely husband, who has always been very loving. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Amy. And now we have Rosemary. Rosemary had, uh, I don't know her mum, but uh, she went to Africa, so she, I think she was a very courageous mum. And then she had Rosemary there in Africa. So Rosemary will share a little bit about her life as a mother and grandmother. Yesterday I met her grandchild, one of hers, and one to be. Hi. Um, I probably um, want to focus a little bit more on the influence my mother had on me, I suppose, um, in my own mothering skills. Um, I had a very privileged upbringing. Um, I was a missionary's kid. I was a pastor's kid that had um, challenges that associated with it. But I guess um, in terms of my mother, I, can, I think of one verse, um, and that's Isaiah 30, 15, in repentance and trust is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, or in some versions it says in quietness and confidence is your strength. Um, my mother hated being up front, and it's a trait that I definitely um, inherited from her. I think um, in my own mothering, um, there was a lot of um, influences that my mother had on me. Um, we grew up in an era where we didn't have TV and, and um, all those things, and my mother used to put a lot of records on for us to listen, and I remember the songs that she used to put on. I remember one particularly was... Um, a lady called Marcy who used to sing as a child. I don't know if some of you remember it. She used to sing like a child. but And I don't remember if she actually sung this song, but it's a song that was imprinted on my memory. Um, and it was one of the ones that said, saying, it went like this, don't send your kids to Sunday school. You get out of bed and you take them. And I still remember that song. And that was probably in my own mothering was one of the things um, that influenced me. Um, Dave was in the ambulance in my... Um, when my children were very young and um, it was a real challenge to get up and take three young children to church by yourself. Um, he'd often be on duty and, um, but I still remember um, the influence, I suppose, of both my parents, but particularly my mother, because I could always remember my mother being there at church with us. 
Um, she would take us to church, even though Dad would often be up the front, but she would take us to church. Um, and I, I guess um, as a parent myself, I'm a mother to three, a mother-in-law to three, um, eight grandchildren and another one soon to be born. Um, one, one of our grandchildren is growing up in heaven um, and it's been a, a sorrow and a hard time to go through our parents through that influence. Um, but to, to in that time, I still remember my mother who went through an, um, a very similar experience and I remember the strength that she had. Um, a lot of memories of her early days in Africa we weren't told about till we were probably in our late teenage years. But um, she had incredible strength because she left... Um, she wasn't brought up in a Christian family, but she left um, Australia when she was very young and she travelled to Africa. And um, she had three of us, four children over there, one whom she lost over there as well. Um, in, in bringing up my own children, I think as mothers, the most important thing um, we can do is pray for our children every day. Um, and I'd like to read to you a little poem that um, my daughter-in-law chose, actually, and my son printed it on this book. Mark um, for me yesterday and I'd just like to read it to you because I think it's very important for us as mothers um, and grandmothers to remember this. It's an old poem, it's one I've heard before. Um, it says, some have had kings in their lineage, some to whom honour was paid, but none of my none blessed in my ancestors but I had a mother who prays. I have a mother who prays for me and pleads with the Lord every day for me. Oh, what a difference it makes to me. I have a mother who prays. Some have worldly success and trust in riches they made. This is my surest asset. I have a mother who prays. My mother's prayers cannot save me. Only mine can avail. But mum introduced me to someone, someone who could never fail. Oh, yes, I have a mother who prays for me and pleads with the Lord every day for me. Oh, what a difference it makes to me. I have a mother who prays. And I pray ourselves that as mothers and grandmothers that we pray for our children and that influence in their life every day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rosemary. I always enjoy hearing other people share their life story because we can identify with, you know, a mother like Rani who had an ideal situation and then the kids come along. Or having an example like Rosemary in her mother, and then when you are mothering yourself, things come up in your mind what your mother did and said. And Amy having the joy of seeing her teenage girls grow up. And, but yeah, it's not without challenge, but of course we have God. Like Rani said, you know, it's a, in submission to God, we do our life journey together. Now, this morning in the Bible reading, you heard the story about Ruth and Naomi, a well-known story. And what impacted me on that story when I read it again is that sentence Ruth said, your God is my God. How can she say that? Losing her husband and seeing Naomi lose her husband and two sons, probably struggling with God, asking why. Why is life so challenging and so difficult? But in the midst of sadness, of struggle in a different country, with uh, Ruth believing in different uh, gods, Ruth saw something in her mother, mother-in-law, what encouraged her to say, your God is my God. She saw a strength in Naomi in the midst of loss, sadness, and loneliness 
and Ruth wanted so much this relationship herself. She wanted to be with Naomi, that she took that courage to leave her country, leave her family behind, and go with Naomi to her home country. Because she wanted that God, that relationship with God Naomi had. And her mother-in-law was a wonderful example to her. And I can identify a little bit with the situation because I have lost my husband last year. But I also know, I can stand here and say, life with God works. It's not easy, but God takes us through the life journey. Like Rani shared about uh, the heart, the hole in, in the heart of her daughter. You know, things are unexpected, but God is right there. And we need to take God into our situation. And Ruth saw Naomi take um, God into her situation. She saw her uh, struggles as well. And I think we encourage one another if we are openly share our struggles, pray for one another, and that's what builds the community around us. Pastor David shared uh, last Sunday that we need to be ready to hear God, to know his plan, and to hear his heart. So knowing God is a very important factor in order to take him into our lives. Pastor David also said that, you know, we need to know God's presence. And Jesus himself prayed in John 17, the prayer. Now, this is eternal life, that I know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Also, Paul several times mentions, I want to know Christ. Do we have that desire in our heart to know God? so that we can take God into our situation. To be an inspiration to the people around us, like Ruth, Naomi was to Ruth. And can people around us say, your God is my God. I want that relationship you have. And of course, it's easy on Sunday sitting here doing that, and thinking, yes, I'm committed, I'm doing it. But are we doing it throughout the week? when the kids play up, when things don't go our way, when sickness, death is part of our life. Can we say that? I want to follow God. I take God into my situation. I want others to see that it works, that your God is my God. On our bulletin, every Sunday, you can see the mission statement for this year. It's up on the screen. Working with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. The working with God indicates that relationship we need to have. And of course, it's a relationship of obedience. It's more than just knowing about God. It's knowing him as that friend who is with us all the time. And that is a daily relationship. Like in a marriage, you can't just on Sundays talk to your husband. It's a daily talking and having conversations because that's how you build relationships. Same with your children. You can't just talk once um, a month. I mean, I do with my boys now because they are abroad. But when they grow up, you know, you need to build into in that relationship. And that is what God wants. He wants that daily relationship with us. He wants that we take him in in order to be in a position of working with him 
to bring transformation in people's lives. And that is our aim, this is our goal, this is our God-given job description, to be a witness. Next week we celebrate um, or think about uh, Pentecost, and Jesus' final talk with his 11 disciples, we read in Acts 1.8, when Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my disciple. Jesus knew that we cannot do life by ourselves. So even before that, he said to his disciples, you know, I will send a helper. Even though they didn't grasp that concept back then, only when it happened. But we all have that Holy Spirit. We have that helper who helps us to do life, to go through that journey of life God puts in front of us. We don't need to do it alone. But with that, having the Holy Spirit comes the job description of being a witness. The only choice we have is what kind of witness am I? Am I such a witness that people around me see she lives with God, she has faith in God, I want her God to be my God? Am I living in such a way to be a witness, to draw people to that relationship? I need to experience transformation first in my own life. Without that experience, I cannot work with God to transform people into passionate followers. I need to follow first. I need to learn to walk with God, to take him into my situation every day. And to experience that you can go through difficulties, and it works. There's a lot of pain around us, and people don't have a solution. And we have a lot of pain in our lives, and we have the solution. All we need to do is to claim it, claim the promises, and expect the help, because we have the Spirit living within us. And He's accessible to all of us. And when we live with God, then we will be a witness and a testimony, and others will see Him in us. Our actions speak louder than our words. So we need to internalize that relationship, and that is a daily, daily task we have. And this is, I want to challenge you to allow this transformation happening in your own life, and then to join God to work with him in transforming people, in being that witness. But when you want to have passionate followers, you need to be a passionate follower of Jesus. And I want to inspire you to do that this week, as you read God's word. And that's what I, my decision every morning is, I have a choice to be sad that Lloyd died. I can get depressed, I can sit there and cry. Or I have the choice to say, okay God, you allowed it to happen, it's not easy, but you gave me the Holy Spirit, with you I'm going through this difficulty and I'm stepping out of the house, I'm not staying at home being sad. It's a, it's a decision, a choice we have to take God into our situation and with him we live, we experience transformation and we can be part of God's plan to transform because he's using our witness to challenge people. So let us go into that week knowing that we can live out God in such a way that people will see God and can say, your God is my God. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you so much that you left your spirit with us. You didn't go and die for us and you left us alone. You gave your life. You forgave our sins. You showed your love. And Lord, this is what you want me to do, what you want us to do. To forgive the people around us who hurt us. To show love to our neighbors. And Lord, we, are, we know we are unable to do that out of our own resources. But we can do it with your spirit because you have sent him to live within us. And Lord, we are thank you, thankful for you, for your word. We are thankful for each other, for the testimonies we have, for the community in church. We don't need to do life alone. We do it with your spirit and with each other. Thank you for your presence, your promises, your love and care for us. Amen.